Welcome to our podcast series on the Mumbai blasts of 1993. In the first episode, we provided a glimpse of the socio-political situation and the inter-community equation among the rival factions in Mumbai during the period from December 1992 up to the first week of February 1993. In today's episode, we will delve into the then operators of the Mumbai underworld, the rise and rivalry of various mafia groups. and their involvement in the ensuing riots and terror attack Bombay between the 1950s and mid 1990s was a coastal city in impoverished India that epitomized the dire state of the economy on one hand and was home to the most affluent on the other Among the rich and successful were many who had profited from criminal and illegal activities The presence of the docks and several entry points on the zigzag coastline provided an effective conduit for the smuggling of illicit goods. Transforming into an organized nexus between the operative criminal syndicates and corrupt law enforcement officials. In the polity, the Congress was at the helm at the center as well as in all the western states. With the highest customs duty at 400%, Gold fetched a premium of four times in shipments from Dubai to Bombay, making Bombay exceedingly crime-prone. Gang warfare began with the rivalry of Hazi Mastan and Yusuf Patel in the 1970s. Both were petty criminals before entering into smuggling of gold and silver, making a fortune and investing it in ventures like construction and real estate. The era of the 1980s saw the rise of Vardhrajan Mudaliyar. popular as Vardhabhai and Davood Ibrahim Kaskar who diversified further from smuggling to property eviction and land grab rackets fresh immigrants from Uttar Pradesh and children of workers of Bombay sick textile mills churned in fresh recruits for the dons of Mumbai former IPSD Sivanandan who was instrumental in putting a pause to proliferation of gang culture narrates in an interview on YouTube saying 1980s if you see of the country uh, every state every region is a country uh, uh, countries by itself like maharashtra is three four countries like marathwada vidarbha kandesh uh, konkan like that na the maharashtra itself is a huge state you know second biggest maybe so bihar is another up is uh, can be divided easily fourth uh, the different culture different languages different things survival uh, is also different there so our country is a huge kaleidoscopical combination and mumbai mind you i must tell you is a combination is a is an attractive place of all these talents uh, coming from uh, let us say tripura or jalandhar ludhiana kanyakumari like this varadarajan mudaliyar and uh, these people are uh, from kadalur and uh, other places from tamil nadu so these guys uh, acted movies divar mukaddar ka sikandar all glorified them so those guys have come from the south there abu salam is from prathapgarh uh, azamgarh and things like that so this is a attractive beehive where maya nagari let me put it so where all varieties of talents came mm-hmm. namita bachchan came and um, uh, as they say slept in the bench in front of oberoi and became a superstar so are other talents industrialists entrepreneurs educationists and gangsters and criminals in dubai davood had set up a legitimate construction business and traded in gold his business nourished particularly after chota rajan joined him in the late 1980s Davood had offices in Nairobi, London, Singapore, and Kathmandu, overshadowing the big names of smuggling in Dubai. 
There is no such thing as job security in the underworld, so Dawood consolidated his position continuously. He had built a group of trusted lieutenants such as Chota Shakil and Chota Rajan, whose loyalty to him was absolute. They were responsible for the stability and rapid growth of Dawood's empire, though later on, their rivalry grew bitter and resulted in gang wars. The D Company Origin and Evolution Dawood's criminal syndicate originated in the late 1970s in Mumbai. It rose to power following the emergency order from 1975 until 1977, which aimed to take down mainstream criminal organizations. Mumbai as the center of India's underworld fostered conditions that were conducive to the rise of criminal syndicates. India's strategic location with its port access to drugs and smuggling of illicit goods in the neighboring states gave D Company and other syndicates ample opportunity to rise to international prominence in late 70s and early 80s. Taking advantage of these conditions and a void left by the emergency order, D Company flourished as a top criminal organization in Mumbai. By mid 80s, Ibrahim fled to Dubai under the growing pressure from Indian authorities. Based out of the port city of Dubai, the company was involved in drug and arms trafficking, gold smuggling, extortion, counterfeit currency, real estate, contract killings, gambling and film piracy. The company's evolution into a criminal terrorist organization involved many factors. The two primary causes for this evolution were first the 1992 riots and the ensuing violence and secondly a shift in the market that prompted Ibrahim to expand from pure smuggling to a terror smuggler nexus to sustain his outfit the shift towards ideologically motivated activities took place following the destruction of the Babri mosque in December and the resulting riots that killed hundreds Former IPSD Sivanandan narrates in an interview on YouTube on Dawood and subsequently on the origin of the December 1992 riots saying he is incidentally son of my havaldar his father used to work in the crime branch 50000 havaldars we have he is one of them that's it 12 children he had this guy is the seventh uh, uneducated uh, product of there he ran away to dubai in 1984 when he was tried for a murder and the court gave a bail from dubai he ran away in 1993 after that 12th march uh, 1993 blast after the babri masjid thing what he has done to mumbai in 1993 march 12th is something unpardonable 257 people died uh, uh, 857 people injured 100 crores or more worth property went up in smoke this is something which is no indian can do to a fellow indian we have got overwhelming evidence overwhelming means it will go through your roof i was additional cp crime in uh, august 1993 when this case was being investigated and charge sheeted when the case took place i was that deputy director intelligence bureau and i have gone with the americans uh, going to from bombay stock exchange to this thing is there a criminal who comes and tells you that i have done this crime and hang me not at all and not a dastardly crime like this where mumbai was blown up no it's not an ordinary crime uh, we are talking about we are talking about 12 blasts where the root of air india or bsc or that sira hotel where is it have you seen sira hotel it's a multi story structure vanish So this is not a small thing which he can accept and uh, come here and say happily ever after. Not at all. <laughs>
and we are not here asking for any bloody uh, buggers uh, 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 acceptance or denial no mm. case is a case every case is uh, worked on the evidence available to, uh, to us oh. we don't we are not at the mercy of a criminal to say yes we have done this is that uh, hunar the fire in the belly of a negative variety he is worth a few billion dollars now in uh, pakistan as there he is the most wanted uh, dreaded uh, drug uh, uh, dealer by the uh, un declaration and various other things these are all highlights of a man who has done everything negative he has been doing their leading his life one to save his backside is the first job to start with then his brothers and various others he has got a lot of other businesses to do with he used to uh, run around between london johannesburg and various other places a lot of uh, legitimate businesses are also there then besides that he has been doing drug dealing arms dealing and various other things hotels prostitution rackets rackets all that he is a gangster so he is doing gangster's job there under the protection of pakistani government the army the isi and others are protecting him and whatever tasks they give he must be uh, doing it for that he knows india he has got lot of connections even now even today he can talk to people and get things done he has got a foot soldiers all over the place he can do a lot for uh, the, any place all his people can go there and take pictures and they can uh, give the geographical uh, thing and all that in 1984 the bhartiya janata party was elected to power and at the time India's minority population was around 150 million people, roughly 12% of the population. Leading up to the 92 attacks, a wave of Hindu nationalism swept India. In retaliation and as a garb to protect the minority, the company smuggled in explosives and weapons that were ultimately used in Mumbai bombings. In early 1993, It is alleged that ships departed from Dubai for Karachi carrying explosives, numerous automatics and small arms. These catches facilitated through the Pakistani Inter-Services Intelligence Agency or ISI as it is popularly known were used in bombings throughout Mumbai on the 12th of March 1993. Following this attack, the D company moved its operational headquarters to Karachi. This proved to be a pivotal moment for the D company as the previously secular organization split along religious lines with a majority of Hindu members leaving to follow a Hindu lieutenant Chota Rajan and the rest remaining under the control of Ibrahim From here D company adopted a radical ideology and slipped into the terror crime nexus Shift in India's market scenario 1991 and beyond In the early 1990s, as India's economic and market shift left many of the company's activities less profitable. Prior to 1991, India's economy was dominated by the public sector, with limited international trade and socialist-oriented policies that cultivated criminal and black market activities. But in June of 1991, The newly elected Congress party changed the fundamental structure of the Indian economy by devaluing the rupee by 25% to alleviate the current account deficit. By the end of the decade, the Indian economy averaged over a 6% growth rate and witnessed a declining market for illicit activities. This economic change motivated D company to move towards terrorist activities. and new business dealings with the ISI created opportunities to diversify their portfolio and enter new markets. 
For example, an alleged bond between Al-Qaeda and D Company allowed Al-Qaeda members to use smuggling routes to escape over the Afghan border into Pakistan, allowing D Company to deal in the Afghani heroin market. Additionally, a major policy change was the liberalization of gold imports, which cut the duty rate in half and reduced the number of seizures by government agencies. This policy change marginalized the company's gold smuggling enterprise and drastically reduced its operating profits. As a result, Davood Ibrahim was forced to expand his other business activities, which led him to hobnob with terrorist groups. Faces of the company. The company also has a history of engaging in terrorist activities. In the 1990s, SD Company was involved in the Bombay bombings, which killed over 250 people and injured over 700 others. The bombings were carried out in retaliation for the destruction of the Babri Masjid, a mosque in Ayodhya, India. D Company was also linked to the 2008 Mumbai attacks, which killed over 160 people and injured hundreds more. The attacks were carried out by 10 gunmen who targeted several locations in Mumbai including hotels a railway station and a Jewish center The company's involvement in terrorist activities is believed to be motivated by a desire for revenge against the Indian government and security forces as well as a desire to create instability in India The organization has been accused of working with other terrorist groups including Al-Qaeda and Lashkar-e-Taiba to carry out attacks in India. The company and economic actor. The company has also been involved in legitimate business activities such as real estate, construction and the hospitality industry. The organization has used its criminal proceeds to invest in these ventures, allowing it to launder money and legitimize its wealth. The company has also been linked to illegal betting operations particularly in cricket. The company's involvement in legitimate business activities is believed to be motivated by a desire to diversify its portfolio and reduce its reliance on criminal activities which can be risky and subject to law enforcement crackdowns. The organization's economic activities also provide it with a cover for its criminal activities. allowing it to operate more covertly overall the company's various faces highlight its adaptability and flexibility allowing it to shift its focus and tactics to best suit its own interests this makes it a difficult organization to track and dismantle as it is constantly evolving and changing it is clear that the company is not just a terrorist organization but also an economic actor that has successfully operated in various industries and markets the group has utilized globalization technology and changing economic policies to their advantage and has even played a role in sustaining the pakistani economy however it is important to note that their economic success is intertwined with their illicit activities such as arms and drug trafficking and financing of terrorism This has resulted in immense harm to individuals, societies, and national security. It is crucial for governments and law enforcement agencies to take action against the company's criminal activities and disrupt their network of illicit trade and terrorism financing. 
At the same time, efforts should also be made to address the root causes of their economic success, such as corruption, weak governance, and lack of foreign investment, to ensure sustainable economic growth and development in the region. See, today you must know organized crime means tons of money. Otherwise, there is no organized crime at all. So, uh, uh, to even today, if you ask me completely after I have I had eliminated this gangsterism, it's not that gangsterism has been eliminated. It was eliminated to the extent that there are no extortion calls and there are no uh, open threat and nobody will go to an office and put up a gun there saying that no? I still remember a case where one uh, one uh, one elected corporate uh, woman, corporator, uh, going to the uh, MTNL general manager, a Madrasi poor man, you never seen a gun. She opens her bag, takes out a gun, keeps it on the table and uh, demanded uh, whatever it is in her horse shown. That man, he couldn't breathe. So that doesn't happen now. Role in the terror attacks. The 1993 bombings in Mumbai were indeed a tragic event that resulted in the loss of hundreds of innocent lives. The bombings were carried out by the D Company, a criminal organization based in Mumbai, which had reportedly received support from the Pakistani intelligence agency ISAR. The bombings were a clear example of the hybrid nature of terrorism and organized crime, where criminal organizations use terror tactics to further their goals. The motives behind the 1993 bombings have been attributed to religious grievances, however, the role of the ISI in supporting the bombings has not been fully explored. It is believed that the ISI provided the D Company with military-grade explosives and logistical support to carry out the attacks. The Mumbai attacks of 2008, which were carried out by the Pakistan-based militant group Lashkari Taiba, were another tragic event that shook the city. The attacks were well-planned and coordinated, and lasted for several days. The attacks were also an example of the growing nexus between terrorist groups and state actors, with Pakistan being accused of providing support to the attackers. Both the 1993 and 2008 attacks underscore the need for greater cooperation among nations to combat terrorism. It is important for countries to work together to dismantle the networks that support terrorists, including criminal organizations and state actors. It is also important to address the underlying grievances that give rise to terrorism, such as religious extremism and political oppression. In the words of the then Israeli ambassador. Uh, in Bombay a few days ago, who it is, why, how, is a very big interrogation mark. Uh, now, uh, it doesn't mean that any neighboring country is at war with you, but clearly someone, some group, some has sent a message. Nexus of D Company and the ISI for fomenting state-sponsored terrorism. Two major terrorist attacks, 15 years apart, rocked Mumbai, and while they may seem unrelated, there were at least three common factors the use of the sea as a transportation medium for lethal cargo, coordinated attacks at widely dispersed locations, and the suspected involvement of personnel from Pakistan's ISI with assistance from D Company. Renowned author Steve Cole, 
Adrian Levy and Kathy Scott Clark have shed light on this connection. Steve Cole in his book Directorate S talks about the western governments intercepting telephonic conversations between serving ISI officers based in Pakistan and the 10 gunmen in Mumbai during the 2008 Mumbai raid. The United States later indicted an ISI officer who partly funded the attack, a rare example of a spy being charged for international terrorism. Adrian Levy and Kathy Scott Clark in their book The Exile described the 2008 attack as a collaborative project overseen by the ISIS S-wing and sponsored by Al-Qaeda. We take a closer look at the motives of the perpetrators of the 1993 bombings in light of this renewed awareness of state-sponsored terrorism. The 1993 bombings are not an example of the crime terror continuum, but rather an instrumentalization of organized crime by an adversary intelligence agency and non-state actor working at the behest and through the facilitation of state officials. Scholars such as Ronen Bergman, Matthew Levitt, and Mark Galerty have described how elements within intelligence apparatuses use criminal actors to carry out long-distance terrorist strikes in Latin America and the covert usage of gangs as an instrument of geopolitical contestation. Pakistan's ISI is reported to have used criminal syndicates consisting of compatriots in Thailand and France to talent spot contacts in local government. Returning to Mumbai, the 1993 and 2008 attacks have been treated as unconnected events and investigators and researchers neglected to examine state linkages in the 1993 case. The company was not acting solely out of ideological motives but was a willing instrument in a Pakistani covert action agenda. By partnering with the ISI, the company may have adapted to changing times, seeking to dominate the booming Karachi-based heroin traffic. In return for providing on-ground support to ISI covert operations against India, the Pakistani agency could thus exercise plausible deniability of its actions. So why did the 1993 conspirators smuggle a vast quantity of explosives into India and use less than 5% of it in Mumbai bombings? Why did they plant bombs at locations mostly of an economic as opposed to a religious nature? Why did their stalwarts find shelter in Pakistan even though this risk generating international pressure on Islamabad to arrest them? The D company far from acting out solely of ideological motives was a willing instrument in a pakistani covert action agenda the syndicate was not just responding instinctively to events in mumbai but also strategically to a broader trend which threatened its business model this trend was the liberalization of the indian economy in 1991 and specifically the lifting of customs duty on gold imports in 1992 Suddenly, the syndicate's main source of revenue, gold smuggling to India, was no longer viable. By partnering with the ISI, the company may have adapted to changing times, seeking to dominate the booming Karachi-based heroin traffic. In return for providing on-ground support to ISI covert operations against India, the Pakistani agency could thus exercise a plausible deniability of its actions. Impact and Response India It is evident that the D company led by Dawood Ibrahim 
remains a major threat to India's security and stability. Its ability to adapt and evolve over the years has made it one of the most influential and dangerous criminal organizations in the region. The group's involvement in terrorist activities, transnational crimes, and economic activities highlights the multidimensional role it plays in Pakistan and the broader South Asian region. The Indian government has taken a group-centric approach to counter the influence of the D company, but its impact remains significant. The recent rise in radical activity in the subcontinent and the US exit from Afghanistan provide opportunities for the D company and ISI to launch devastating attacks on India. Therefore, it is important to acknowledge all the faces of the D company and understand how each role of the outfit threatens the stability of South Asia in general and India in particular. Bombay will take a very very long time to heal its wound, but I have faith. I I don't know somehow I have faith in the people. It reminds me of that couplet. अगर ये कथा गजब है कि आदमी इंसान नहीं होता. This is the tragedy of our times that human beings will not be human. and this is what has happened the courts binding hindu muslim amity may have been stretched almost to breaking point in bombay but they will not break predict the city's faithful even if the citizens of peace will it so it may be a very long time indeed before people once again say salam bombay that's a wrap for today's episode The next episode will delve into the incidents and events that occurred on the fateful day of the Mumbai blasts known as Black Friday of 1993. It will provide a deeper understanding of the magnitude of the attack and the impact it had on Mumbai and India as a whole. Make sure to remain tuned in.